0: It's 9.36 here on Mornings with Lone Star, broadcasting live on IRLoneStar.com, Connors FM 104.5, 106.1. Also, we are going to be on YouTube right now and also Facebook Live because I have a special guest today. Did you know the Montgomery County Hosp- Hospital District has paramedics? I didn't even know that. I had no idea they had paramedics. But they also have a paramedic podcast, and I have one of the hosts, Dr. Casey Patrick, in here with me. And as we talk about para- being a paramedic and also the podcast, I put links to everything the Montgomery County, County Hospital District kind of does in the area for us, because they serve Montgomery County, and we're going to learn all about that. So I want to welcome Dr. Casey Patrick.
1: Thank you for having me, Dick. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Nice to be here.
0: Yeah, it's, it's always cool to have a doctor in.
1: Yeah, well, uh, let's hope we don't have to uh, <laughs> really get down and dirty with that. We can We can stick to conversation, and I'll go... It's one thing I tell folks in the emergency department all the time is that no one really wants to see me because really? if, if you see me, you're probably having a pretty bad day. Really? I mean, you know, heart attacks and strokes and car wrecks generally aren't people's uh, best day. That's that's, that's my... That's true. Okay. Now I get it. Now
0: I get it. Yeah. Because like what I, I was going to say, what I, I love about the doctor prefix is the, the scope of knowledge because no one really knows. But like, you're a doctor. You have to know. You know everything.
1: Well, I hope that they're... <laughs> better off for having seen me but deep down when you have those those big bad emergencies and not terribly different from when the ambulance arrives at your house you know with mchd it's generally not a great day but what we hope we provide for our folks and you know my job is really split split into two parts i still work in the emergency department and i work to educate the paramedics uh, here in the county and provide oversight and really clinical quality feedback to make sure that they're out there uh, practicing medicine for y'all, the community, uh, to the best of their ability.
0: So let, let's take a step back. Let's. Can you give me a a general point of what the Montgomery County Hospital District is?
1: Well, oh, that's that, that's a hard one. My my, I can tell you what my role is and okay. the folks that that I work with, because there's some history there, and it can get a little bit longer. Well, oh, then,
0: how about, let me try what I th- I sure. what I know. What it is, like you provide several services for the county. And from what I understand, you fill the gaps for certain services, mm-hmm. uh, like number one being paramedics yes. and ambulances. Mm-hmm. So, ranging from emergency calls to scheduled calls, transportation, things like that. because like, I know some places, like you'll be transported somewhere. It's a scheduled one, so it's not like an emergency. Is yeah, that do y'all do we that? Don't,
1: we don't technically schedule calls. We provide nine one one. Okay. So okay. if you dial 911 in Montgomery County with, an, with a medical emergency, mm-hmm. we're the folks that show up along with our 13 uh, fire department partners. Okay. We, we are strictly EMS. Uh, the, the local fire departments operate under uh, Dr. Dixon and I's medical direction, um, but they're, they're separate entities. So in some locations, fire and EMS are combined here in Montgomery County. Uh, they're separate beyond the medical direction. There's also a separate half of MCHD that's not, uh, you know, not necessarily my purview. We work together for uh, the betterment of the county, and that's the public health side. Um, we also have uh, HCAPS, which is uh, indigent, indigent care as well, okay. and that requires, you know, many other departments to make all those things work, radio, communications. Uh, when you call 911, the folks that answer the phone, our dispatchers, um, they're, uh, a vital part of uh, providing EMS care because we need to know where we're going, what the complaint is, how quickly we need to get there. So uh, the paramedics really can't do their job unless they have some baseline information from the callers. Um, and that those, those telecommunicators make a huge difference in outcome, especially in things like cardiac arrest, stroke, uh, heart attacks, where we have uh, time-sensitive emergencies. So there's lots of moving pieces I've, I left out you know, fleet, those are the folks that keep the ambulances running. Mm -hmm. Um, There's, you know, as with any organization today, there's IT and, you know, cybersecurity, and that's, it's a big part of our organization. And so the end goal is for us to provide 911 care to the county so that when you have an emergency and you call an ambulance, we show up with the right resource at the right time and are able to deliver care appropriately.
0: Yeah, because that whole world is, like you said, a lot of people don't know about it until they need it, and then usually it's a bad day for those people. And I've I've listened to a couple uh, episodes of your podcast, and it's very descriptive. It, it really it gets down, because I was like, you know, this is kind of interesting, but then y'all started talking, like, are they talking to other medics too? I feel like that's what the show is really for when y'all get into the nitty-gritty of it.
1: So, yeah, to talk about the podcast specifically... My role—I've I've been with uh, the hospital district now for almost seven years—and mm-hmm. as an emergency physician um, with EMS specialization, my, I guess, um, area of emphasis is education. It's to. Try to reach our paramedics, and and they're a very—it's
0: a very educational show for sure. Yeah, and
1: it's and it's a wide, uh, varied group of folks. I mean, uh, from age standpoint, from past experience standpoint, from an education standpoint, um, it's really not just a, a one-size-fits-all thing. We really have to try to tailor to adult learning. And so when I started, we sort of went old school with uh, lectures in a classroom with chairs on a scheduled day with some PowerPoint slides and said, hey, you know, we've, got, we've got this guy, Dr. Patrick, he's our new assistant medical director. He's gonna provide some, some new educational options for y'all. And put a ton of work into it, went out, polled the medic, say, hey, what do you wanna hear about that you're not hearing about? What can we add educationally? And the reception was tepid at best. Uh, we really didn't have the numbers in the seats that we wanted to justify the work that went in mm-hmm. on the back. And over six months, a year, it got continually frustrating and not frustrated at the medics, just frustrated that I knew that we weren't maximizing our, our goals. We weren't, our our reach wasn't what we wanted it to be. We had the same 20 or 25 medics that showed up each month and there's 200 of them out there working for us. So when you're talking about 10 or 15% reach, the return on the investment's not, not great there. And I hopped in my car one day uh, to head home from the office, and I had started one of my podcasts on my phone before I, medical podcast, before I, you know, before I got to the office, and finally it clicked. You know, if it's Tuesday and I don't have an ER shift and I'm not working in the office at MCHD, the last place I'm going to go on my day off is to sit in a voluntary lecture in a chair especially when you consider that we serve 1,100 square miles. We're the size of Rhode Island here in Montgomery County, and a lot of our medics live, you know, some of them live downtown in Houston. Some of them live in College Station that work in the west side of the county. So not everybody even lives in county. So they're not going to drive to administration on the south loop for a 90-minute lecture. That's just not an efficient use of their time. And it made me realize that I don't consume my continuing education, and I do the same that our medics do. Medicine's always changing and evolving, so you have to stay up to date. But I do it with podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, there's several emergency medicine-based podcasts that ex- have existed out there for several years that have huge followings. So I went back in the office the next day and s- sat down with our, with our clinical chief and medical director and, and some of the leadership team, and I said, I've got an idea. It's crazy. And this was 20. 18, probably 2017, 2018. I said, we need to do a podcast. I said, we can reach the medics where they are on their commute. You know, they've all got 20, 30, we've all got 20 or 30 minute drives to work. Uh, let's keep the episodes nice and bite size. And let's make this a way to where the medical directors can talk to the paramedics efficiently. So we don't have to go out and talk to each one. We don't have to have a 90 minute lecture where you have to come sit in this chair Let's try to reach our medics. And our goals were really, really, um, we set the bar low. We, you know, we, we luckily had one of our, um, one of our clinical uh, specialists that reviews charts in the office. His name's Andy Adams. I have to give Andy Adams all the credit because he knew a lot of audio and podcasting, editing, because he had some, some personal endeavors that, mm-hmm. that gave him, because I had no idea about what any of this stuff does. And he said, yeah, I can make you a shopping list. Here's what we need to get. Here's what we need to budget for. Because if we're going to go ask for these things, we have to justify them. And so he had a shopping list that wasn't nearly as expensive as I expected. And sure enough, we were off and running in, I guess, April of uh, 2018, 2019, somewhere around in there. We just celebrated our fourth birthday. We started with two episodes a month, and our goal was entirely to have a Paramedic Center podcast where I and the rest of the clinical team, Dr. Dixon, were talking directly to our MCHD medics and really ground based paramedics, not flight medics on a helicopter, um, really 911 system focused medics, not medics that were doing transfers of patients, but you call 911, we show up, here's the yeah. topics we're going to talk about. And it's really exploded in popularity. Uh, beyond what we ever dreamt to start, Uh, but the bottom line initial goal has still been met as well, so it's really a pretty cool thing because we get a lot of feedback and a lot of interaction both regionally, around the country, even internationally from medics, EMS medical directors, EMS leaders, folks saying, hey, we heard you talk about this protocol, can you share it? But the best part for me still is that when I'm walking in the office or when I'm working in the emergency department or I'm out in the field with our medics, I love more than anything when our medics say, hey, I listened to the podcast about X, Y, or Z, and I had this patient the other day. Let's talk about it. Because that's really the goal was to try to have that jumping off point to talk about medicine with our paramedics and then to educate from there. So it's been really, uh, you know, professionally for me a very fulfilling and – you know, I could take a lot of pride in what we've what we've put out. We put out two episodes per month for the first four years. Um, that was a pretty decent load of of just tasks and work. And we got up over a hundred and we're up over a hundred and fifty episodes mm-hmm. now. And we decided, sort of as a method to maintain our our consistency and longevity to back to one a month. So if you're a listener or watcher out there on YouTube, you'll notice that we're uh, pairing it back just a tad so that we can keep the momentum forward and not run out of information.
0: Yeah, cuz I know I put the link to the YouTube channel for the for the I guess the Montgomery County Hospital District, but it also has the podcast on there cuz there's a video version of the podcast. And it's it's that's what I've been listening to and it's interesting because you'll do talk about firsthand cases that are real and the dynamics that happen in that specific case because not every case is the same and that's where I that's where I saw it's like oh this is this is for paramedics because this is educational this is something that you're not going to be able to learn from a a slide or a book it's like no hey this is what happened this month this is something interesting that occurred while we were administering you know medical Mm -hmm. needs
1: yeah we're there's a couple issues I want to highlight in that piece and we we did transition or I wouldn't say transition we added a visual piece to the podcast because it's been primarily audio for most of the first four years Mm -hmm. and our PIO Misty Willingham uh, had an idea that I wasn't super on board with first and I wouldn't say super on board with I just didn't think anybody would watch but there's a huge audience for folks to watch the podcast oh, yeah. on YouTube.
0: That, I'm, I'm one of those people who have that habit because... Um, thank you, Misty. If she's listening, yeah.
1: thank you. Um, that's It's been definitely a way that we've grown our audience because we have uh, a lot of subscribers. And the MCHC YouTube page is more than just a podcast. Yeah, we that's other, what I was trying to say. Yeah.
0: Y'all have a little section for the podcast, but y'all yeah. have other stuff on There's there. There's
1: other promotional things, recruitment videos, other you know cool, save reunion stuff on there. Um, and we do talk about cases. We are very, very careful and very cognizant of privacy issues and we make lots of efforts to blind these cases so when you hear them they're going to sound like an exact case they're probably not exactly like they're described because we do that on purpose so that you cannot identi- Oh yeah yeah identify. when i was listening it yeah. was
0: it was generic enough to but it was also more the situation education because like i remember uh, the the most recent episode you were talking about infants and it was just general education about infants, but also in these situations where a car seat or something like that, it's like, okay, well, that's very specific. And mm-hmm. I bet that happens all the time. And
1: we try to combine it. I mean, there's, there's always going to be a place for a nuts and bolts, anatomy, physiology, pharmacology. Here's this drug. Here's a dose. Here's how it works. A very classroom-based lecture-type discussion. And we have those. Uh, We also have uh, more interview-type episodes where we'll have uh, medics, experts, regional, national folks come on and talk about their projects or their uh, points of Mm -hmm. interest. Um, Those are are part Mm -hmm. of our episode group. But we've really found from a feedback standpoint, both from our medics and listeners elsewhere, they really like it when we talk about cases. And I think in in medicine, that's pretty common. Case-based learning is a is sort of a, a big piece to medical education, you know, the foundation of that. And uh, one of the, the really uh, places that we've mined a lot of good stuff from over the last 18 months, two years is, and I don't know, I remember the conversation, I'm not sure, I'd say it was probably some combination of, of Dr. Dixon and I realized, like, hey, we both work in the county here in the emergency departments here in Montgomery County. We take patients from our MCHD medics in the other part of our world and the other part of our job, that's a really, really ripe area to explore because, you know, our paramedics that we're training are bringing us sick patients into the ED. We're getting that patient changeover. We're taking over that patient and then assuming care for the next 60, 90 minutes, two hours, and we get the lab results. We get the x-rays and the CAT scans and all the things that the paramedics wonder about because that's, you know, that's the sort of the, the holy grail for all of us in emergency medicine is the paramedics bring the patients to us and wonder, hey, what happened? How'd they do? Mm-hmm. Well, when I admit the patient to the trauma surgeon as an emergency physician, I also wonder, hey, how'd that person do? And so what we've tried to do with our cases is to extend that continuum of care. So, hey, here's what the medic saw. Here's what we saw when we took over. Let's talk with the listeners about how that affected the patient's care all the way through. And we, you know, we try to talk about the big topics, traumas, strokes, heart attacks, um, you know, special populations like 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 pediatrics and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, infants and neonates. Those are, those are high risk. We try to hit things that are.
0: We also have, I mean, the dynamics of the county, too, because you have the lake. And mm-hmm. I imagine there's a lot of 911 calls on the lake over the year. And then you also have the rural areas where people are working outside or working with heavy machinery. And especially all the, I, I don't know what to call it, not construction jobs, but kind of like warehouse jobs. Just,
1: yeah, and, and that, it, that's a perfect lead-in. That's where I was going to go. Like, time of year is really, really uh-huh. big for us. So this 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 last week, uh, we were involved with some some heat emergency uh-huh. education uh, over, at, over at Joe's Italian um, with our crews and our fire department. Fire department partners, our law enforcement partners. So we try to fit that parking lot. uh, Well, it was it was hot. I I think I was so sweaty. I just squeezed in with the uh, just like extra grease. Um, But we we try to make it relevant. So if there's a measles outbreak, we may talk about measles, and we've done that in the past. With COVID, we did a lot of as that fluctuated and rode the roller coaster of the pandemic. We tried our best to give our medics and the public who are listening as much best evidence we had on that day which was which was uh difficult i don't really want to go back there yeah Um, we don't have to talk about that
0: what i'm more curious about is because you guys been around i want to say for over two decades mm -hmm, right and it was something that because i always was something that a lot of people who moved to the area or have been living in the area had no idea what what it is it's like what is the montgomery county hospital district what? What? Because I I only understood is it it's an ambulance. That's what it is.
1: Well, it encompasses EMS and encompasses public health. Yeah. And it encompasses HCAPS, which is the the indigent, um, uh, basically health health insurance health assistance program. Um, my piece is within EMS, so that's yeah. part of it.
0: So um, let's talk about that because that's what I think. You, especially what the podcast is about. So when it comes to Handling a nine one one call and handling the situation, say unfortunately knocking away, like my mother has an emergency, as a as a bystander, you just step out of the way. Or is there anything you would t- kind of suggest people like, hey, before they arrive, make sure the area is clear. That's what or our, that's, like
1: that's that's the magic that our our dispatchers in our alarm center. That's the magic that they work. So mm-hmm. when you, when you call them, they will ask you very specific questions. Um, those questions are for very specific reasons to try to gauge severity and acuity so that we can route calls appropriately. Every 911 call is not the same. Not everyone receives the same uh, oh, yeah. amount of acuity from, do you get an ambulance? Do you get an ambulance and the fire department? Do you? Get, how many fire department apparatus do you get? Are the lights and the sirens on when they arrive? And all those decisions are made as they're asking you those questions those switches flip or don't flip based on what you say. And they're going to tell you those things actually. Yeah. Cause that's one of my
0: biggest fears is to call 911. Yep. And they're, you're kind of like, what is an emergency?
1: And that's the, they're They are absolute pros at managing us when we're, cause I would be the same way. I, that's the worst day of your life. You have to call yeah. 911 and it's your mom. And so what they do is they are experts at calmly and, you know, in, in a professional manager mm-hmm. manner. Kind of pulling you back from that emotion, and hey, we've got to concentrate on what's best for your mom. Is she awake, alert? Is she breathing? And they go right down the list of questions, and eventually they're going to get to um, our, you know, ambulance is on the way. Please have your, you know, identification, your uh, belongings ready. Uh, have the doorway clear. Yeah, what, have the yeah. have the pets locked up. They're they're going to get in those sort of things, but just globally. Yeah, we want to have space for the stretcher to be able to get as close as possible to the patient. We don't want to – we can't fight with, you know, barking dogs. Well, when you said
0: Joe's, I was like, man, how the heck do you – like, that parking lot has, like, a one-way in.
1: We just did the little the side on the – I guess what would be the uh, south side of the, of the parking lot, yeah. We we did a little heat exposure experiment that um, really showed the danger of, of heat. But um, once we arrive on scene, back to your, your mom – um, they'll have given you some of those instructions, but then our, our medics are definitely going to want to talk to family and bystanders, yeah. dep- especially depending on whether or not the patient can speak for themselves. So that's even more important if we have an unconscious patient or a seizing patient or a patient, um, that's in, you know, yeah. cardiac arrest, they're going to want to say, Hey, do they have medical history? What happened over the last
0: half we, an hour?" We, I remember a long time ago with the radio station, we just started videoing. And there was an incident for one of the guests. And I remember going like, did I record that? Because that seems like something they would want. Because it was psychological or mental. Like, I don't know what it was, but you saw a trigger. And then just the guy passed out. And it was really frightening for me because I was like, what happened? I'm like, what's going on? Uh, but I know it helped long term with the with the care of that patient. And I, like you said, like as an EMS, you got 90 minutes with this person to figure as much as you can, and then you pass them on or mm-hmm. her on.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and that's that's me in the emergency department, mm-hmm. 60, 90 minutes, two hours. You know, our, our paramedics may have, you know, 30 minutes, 20 minutes, depending on the transport time to the that's hospital. Nuts. And our goal is really twofold. We want to collect as much information as possible so that we have a great story, but we also have to extricate and get to the hospital. We, we don't want to be on scene for extended periods because we're limited in, Fact, that we can't do lab work,
0: so I bet you guys hate the uh medians put on 105.
1: 105 traffic has been uh <laughs> a, a pain for sure over the over the past uh several several weeks, months. That's not been anyone's favorite, so
0: well. I'm just I can just imagine you guys trying to U turn or trying to turn around in any
1: situation on 105, and you're like, all right, guys, this and is- that's yeah, that's that's construction on 45, that's you know, whatever you know, 28. Uh, or fourteen eighty eight, you know, four or five, six years ago, like it, it just moves around the county as we grow, yeah. and with all our growth over the past ten years, it's uh, not much of it has been spared from that. Now this could
0: be a random question. Um, I, I was, I was uh, listening to a thing about the, the HOA where I live, and they were trying to argue about speed bumps, and one of the arguments says that there's stat, statistics for it causes EMS units to respond slower if there's more speed bumps in a neighborhood or in, in an area. And I was like, that's such a harsh thing to kind of point out, that even if that's
1: true, because it's like, do you want your kids to die? Don't put in speed bumps? Like, what? I have no direct knowledge yeah, the, I, of I, that. I will say that, you know, we really... That's what they're trying to argue. Yeah, on a, on a, on a global scale, we try to be very data-driven and selective about when we use lights and sirens and when yeah. we drive quote-unquote hot when we drive um, at higher speeds um, because every call doesn't warrant that, and there's very good evidence uh, to, to support using those tools only in very specific oh, situations. Yeah. Oh, yeah. percent So if, if I've had abdominal pain for a week, I probably don't need to blaze into your neighborhood and put everyone at risk and the medics at risk. Mm-hmm. With lights and sirens and my foot to the floor on the gas pedal, we do need to use uh, those tools when we have time-sensitive situations, so uh, severe trauma,
0: like a wreck or strokes,
1: heart attacks, things where those seconds matter. Mm -hmm. Even in most emergencies, seconds don't matter. And when we what we found is when we use lights and sirens and the pedal to the metal, we gain about ninety seconds is what you gain as a patient. So that's um, in, in areas our size with our traffic flow. So in, in a you know urban suburban environment, we gain somewhere in, in the neighborhood of 90 seconds. So we have to really think if we're gonna do those high risk, high speed, noisy uh, maneuvers, we need to make it in situations where 90 seconds counts. And that's not quite as often as we've thought classically in the, in the MS world. Well,
0: I'm sitting here talking to Dr. Casey Patrick. Uh, we're, he's from the Montgomery County Hospital District. Unfortunately, it's ten o'clock. We got our new, we got our audience of one show that needs to air. So I appreciate you coming in, letting everyone know about the podcast, about y'all's services in the area, especially with how important you know that education is for your medics. And it sounds really, uh, sounds like a cool podcast because I listen to it. I encourage people to check it out. I did put links for everything that the Montgomery County Hospital District does here for the county. And so if you're interested in learning more, especially if you're looking for a job, I put a link at the very bottom called paramedicjobs.org. Paramedic so I think that's kind of a, an important thing because you guys are always looking for for uh, healthy and hardworking people, right?
1: Absolutely, and I would be remiss if I didn't thank the administration, uh, the board, uh, my uh, clinical team at MCHD for all the support they've given me. The podcast wouldn't be uh, possible without a lot of behind-the-scenes Uh, help and support and so thank you to all those folks so we're gonna uh, jump right into audience of one to continue the
0: uh programming today for lone star community radio and sorry for it being a little late but you know what we had some fun here with dr casey patrick and we'll see you guys later with more mornings of lone star but coming up next is audience of one so stay tuned